Hi, I'm Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. I can tune into your loved ones in the spirit world, but I can also tune into you, tell you about your path and the choices that you need to make and need to know. I'm currently giving 30% discount on all Tell Craig Your Story listeners. Just use the code Tell Craig Your Story for 30% off your first psychic reading with me online at Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to Tim Williams. Now, Tim was born in Cooma in New South Wales, Australia. He's the creator of the SC Playbook, which helps players in a fantasy sports game, Supercoach. Now, Tim specializes in the rugby league Supercoach side of the SC Playbook, and the SC Playbook also helps players playing fantasy cricket as well. Now he has a podcast nearly every day. He has the SC Playbook, Beers and Break Evens, Listener Questions, and he also has a podcast with Sam Williams, his brother, who played for the Canberra Raiders. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. Tell Craig Your Story at podbean.com. We have a link tree which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major streaming services. We also have a YouTube account there. Make sure you're subscribing to get all the latest updates. And we have VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners. At Till Craig Your Story. Alright, here we go. This is my chat with Tim Williams on Till Craig Your Story Podcast. <laughs> Hi, Tim. How are you going tonight? Craig, I'm very well, mate. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Very, uh, I love I love being on the other side of the mic in terms of not asking <laughs> the questions and getting them asked about me, so I'm very excited to be here. Oh, very good. Thank you for coming on. I know you're super busy. You've got podcast after podcast. Glad to still you got a voice there. <laughs> mm. So last weekend, you went up to Magic Ground uh, up in Brisbane. I went there last year and had a ball. So tell us about your experience there with, with the company as well. Yeah, it was a really great experience. And you, you talk about the voice, it's a uh, touch and go to start the week of the first <laughs> podcast. So we're midweek at the moment and it's uh, just about back to 100%. So hopefully it comes across right. okay. And Magic Crown was amazing. I, I went there for the first time, went to the first ever Magic Crown in 2019, I, I believe it was with my brother and had an absolute cracking weekend there. And then like really enjoyed it. But you sort of the year on year, obviously they missed, I believe it was 2020 due to COVID and whatnot. But yeah. the hype around it and all my mates talking about it and you see footy fans talk about it, I, I as excited as I was, I underestimated just how good it was. This just coming together of rugby league fans, the the atmosphere was outstanding. The, yeah. the mood across the whole of, you know, Caxton Street into the stadium was so positive. <laughs> and such a celebration of rugby league. It, like, it sounds like I'm trying to market it. I'm not. It, um, it, it is exactly what it was. It's so true, but every team is supported. And just, like, they've got their little sections. But you get to be sitting in any sort of place, and there's all different – I love that, the supporters' way to do it. Do you think it'll ever go past State of Origin? Never, mate. Never. never. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anything can go past state of origin. Yeah. You look at, you look at the highs of when, like I suppose, early two thousands. 
rugby union was really big in Australia and Aussie rules has always been big in Australia and sort of our league's main competition. And one thing we've always had over these sports is state of origin, state of origin rugby league. It's just like the pinnacle of sport for me. And, and even oh, I speak to me too, Aussie rules diehards and rugby union diehards who don't even sort of really watch rugby league. They tune in every year to state of origin. It's just so hard to surpass. So I, uh, I don't think it'll ever pass that. But obviously a concept, you know, to the, to the average footy fan, they might not know, but taken from the UK, they started Magic Round, Magic Weekend, I think it is over there. And it's the the NRL have absolutely nailed it. And mm. honestly, keep it in Brisbane. Uh, I'm a diehard New South Welshman. Yeah. And, but just keep it in Brizzy. Like, don't, don't fix what ain't broken, essentially, is the way I see it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's talks of moving it to New Zealand and other other places trying to sell it. But yeah, I, I agree. Tell us about SC Playbook. And for a fan that's a rugby league fan, and I know Supercoach because I've played it for a long time as well, it's so addictive once you get into it. So how do you explain to someone that doesn't know anything about it? How do you sort of explain what Supercoach is? Craig, I, I've done that many a time, so I should be able to do it pretty well. So yeah. essentially, like I launched SC Playbook for many reasons, but if we're talking about what Supercoach exactly is, a lot of it was based off the fact that fantasy sports are absolutely booming in you know the UK and the US, yeah. NBA yeah. fantasy, EPL fantasy. There's like, last time I checked, there's about eight or nine million people playing EPL fantasy. I don't play the NBA draft and that sort of stuff, but I know the numbers are enormous even down here in Australia. They're really solid and growing in Australia and NRL, AFL, all these different sports. But what it essentially is, is you're watching a game, Firstly, the first question everyone asks is, oh, so like there's a monetary side of things and it's gambling. And that I'm like, no, no, completely free to play. No gambling involved. Yeah. And if you want to put some waves on with your mates, you can. But, it's a, you know, if there's a game of footy you don't care about, you know, people inevitably put a bit of a wage on it. little same game multi or something. Supercoach fills that void for a lot of people. And you can do it for free and just have a bit of fun and, and not sort of hurt your wallet too much. So, basically... Let's say you've got Tom Trebojevic. You start by picking a team of 17, a squad of 25 players. 17 of those players are in your team each week, just like the actual NRL. You have to pick those players. Let's say you have Tom Trebojevic, and he scores a try against the Sharkies on the weekend. That will equate to 17 Supercoach points. If he makes a tackle, that's a point. If he has a run, that's a couple of points. Offloads, tackle breaks, try assists, line breaks, line assists, offloads, all these sort of things. By the end of the game, Tommy will have a Supercoach score of 84 points. Your 17 players that you've chosen across multiple clubs, you might have Harry Grant, Tom Trebojevic, uh, Nico Hines, all their points tally together and you get a total for the round. And essentially you're trying to beat your mates, you're trying to beat the rest of the players in Supercoach. And yeah, so in a nutshell, that's that's Supercoach. Yeah. And the thing that has drawn me into it, as much as it's addictive for the Supercoach to play, before Supercoach, I would just watch the Knights play. Mm. And that would be it. And then if they didn't make the semi-final, I'd still probably watch it, but not as not as like important. But now I seem to be watching nearly every game. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, like whoever's in my team, I might have one even one just one player. I'm I'm uh, gonna watch that game and I'm gonna watch him and see how he goes. So for me, it's great for the game. Like it brings more people in to mm. watch it. You've nailed the hammer on the head there, Craig. It's the same thing when people say, all right, Supercoach, we now know about it. What's uh, What do you enjoy about it so much? Let's say it's a Sunday night, 6 o'clock, last game of the round. And you go, oh, I just want to put the feet up, watch the last game. But it's a bit of a bludger of a game. Let's yeah. say without uh, calling out any certain clubs, and apologies, Tigers fans, because you, you've just won back-to-back games, but let's say it's the Tigers and the Titans of a Sunday night and you don't – it doesn't worry you. you. You're like, oh, don't really want to – don't have any probably emotional investment in it. Yeah. Let's say you might own Mo Fodawaker and Dream Buller. All of a sudden, you go, I'm watching this as if it's my own team because in <laughs> one sense, it is your own team. It's your super coach team. So you watch every single play of that game. You don't miss a minute, and it's the best. So I have so much investment in every single game of the round. Mate, like yourself, I'm a regular diehard. I love watching as much football as I can, but there is a line for every footy fan where you go, oh, I've watched six games this weekend. I need a spell. 
But if you've got a super to play in that next game, you better believe you're watching it. Yeah, that's right. And that's the thing. I got my dad into it. I've got my friends into it. We've got, like like you said before, we've got little competitions where we put like $50 in and the winner takes all of the highest points or the grand final. So it's just good banter. Um, and you're checking your phone at the game as well, check, check mm. the updates on the score. So it's just all good fun. But uh, do you get into trouble sometimes? I know it's your work, <laughs> but do you get in trouble sometimes? Do you notice yourself always on the phones trying to make trades and trying to fit the, the person in when you, you've got minus $1,000 and you want that person? Oh, uh, well, it's funny you mentioned <laughs> minus $1,000 trying to make a trade. I was at Magic Round last weekend and I was uh, we had like a meet and greet if we're with the bloke in the bar team with with Kempi and the Guru and Matty the Waterboy there and we we're doing that at in the afternoon and I'm laying on my bed frantically trying to sort out my trades again to anyone who's not sort of familiar with Supercoach you get two trades a week where you can move players in and out of your team and I was a thousand dollars short of going Christian Welch to Corey Horsburgh I thought great trade a thousand dollars short. That what that thousand dollars cost me about four hours of tinkering with trades, and time was running out to get to this meet and greet, and I just went stuff it. You know what? I'll uh, shut the laptop up. I'd explored every option. I said the best option is to not not make any trades this week. So, mate, uh, I've got in strife for it a few times, but uh, probably more of it's uh, with the misses and trying to uh, not not kill her with rugby league. So, but no, it's it's, it's all right, mate. Do you sort it out? Do you have time where you're set for the misses as well, or is it just like whenever you get a chance? Yeah, so I'm pretty good with it in the sense that uh, – so I worked with the Daily Telegraph for five years before I started SC Playbook and absolutely loved uh, the gig I had there. And I worked with some, some amazing people like, you know, journos like Buzz Rothfield and yeah, right. uh, Dave, Dave Riccio, Jimmy Hooper early on, and Paul Kent. So I, I learned so much from so many great people there. Probably the downside to it was <clears throat> that I'm probably a bit of a social character and I enjoy my weekends and I enjoy playing rugby league myself and my sport. The nature of working in sport journalism, and that's my background and my degree, is that you work mm. weekends and mate, that, that is what it is, so that's fine. The beauty of Supercoach, and this is what I saw in it after five years there, I've not been able to really play any footy and giving up my Friday nights, Saturday nights, Sunday nights and all of that was – Basically, the idea is, again, to anyone not familiar with it, you give people team advice and with the content that SC Playbook does around picking your team each week, helping them with their trades, showing them the stats, all that sort of stuff. By the time the first game of the round kicks off on Thursday night at 8 o'clock, there's not a lot you can do content-wise. You know, you can get on your, your social media channels, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that, and, and put things out over the course of the weekend. But once you've the game started for the weekend and there's not really trades that you can do, there's not really a lot of super coach related work you can do. Hmm. So what what that's done for me is sort of given me my weekends back, which was up until I, I got a, a start on the Bloke in a Bar podcast with with Kempi, who right. that was a, that was obviously an outstanding opportunity uh, for myself. Yeah. I'm very grateful for that one. But what it did mean was that. I had to try and watch every – so, again, if you're not familiar with it, it's a, a podcast and Mondays we do the weekend recap and it has a decent sort of size following and we recap every game in depth. It's about a three-and-a-half, four-hour podcast. I absolutely love it, but you can't miss a minute of footy because you're going in there for Monday morning to talk about it. So the dream of uh, working in sport journalism and working essentially Monday to Friday with a few weekend commitments – became all right i need to watch every game yeah i always wanted to ask like you were the creator of sc playbook like how did you get that started up because there was other people that obviously do it but how did you get the ball rolling with the sc playbook yeah so obviously at the telly at the time and i left the telly and went sort of straight into sc playbook and i suppose looking long term i i saw how big Supercoach was for the Telegraph and how much it was for News Corp and the resources they were committing to it. And I just sort of thought, you know what, I think I can go and do content around it and get a team of contributors to to put a website together. And my my background was, you know, newspapers and digital media and that sort of stuff, not so much podcasting and 
saw the opportunity to to target what I believe is a really growing area in Australia, and that's fantasy sports, and yeah. try and and beat other content creators to the punch. And, and I thought there was a, a gap in the market outside of News Corp, who were the only real content creators. Don't get me wrong, there, there were some other great amateur platforms out there who did some really good work around it, stuff that I read all the time mm. while I was working at the telly. Anyway, so I left there for a stack of different reasons. And as I said the big one was trying to get sort of my weekends back, but I saw an yeah. opportunity in launching SC Playbook. And when I left there, as a part of, of doing the, the website and getting the team of contributors together, I put a podcast with it and I saw the podcast was like a an additional element to the website and the pumping out eight to ten articles a week on the side and doing bits and pieces on social media. And the response that the podcast got was really overwhelming and had really good numbers from it. I hosted it and I'd done a handful of podcasts with the Telegraph in the past and, you know, I'm, I'm from Cooma, New South Wales, a small country town, obviously sound like a bit of a bogan when I speak. I'm like, I can picture myself hosting a podcast and all and I couldn't sort of see people wanting to listen to me and to have the, the response we did when launching that, I was like, the, the, it shifted pretty quickly to becoming a, you know, 90% article-based to – you know, sort of 50-50 and now it's I'm doing SC Playbook podcast just about every day and a couple of day and becoming yeah. a bit of a podcast network, which I love. It's 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 a lot at times, yeah. but that and then doing a couple of other gigs across the board. So, yeah, that's sort of how, how it all came about. You've got the podcast that comes out when the team list comes out on Tuesday mm. and then you've got the beers and break-evens, which comes out today. And then you've got like a question and answer tomorrow. And then you're doing stuff in between that as well, like for your subscription. So tell us about those podcasts and then a bit of a plug for the subscription. Yeah, so the week week at the moment is Monday Bloke in a Bar podcast, which is about three and a half, four hours long. Tuesday night is the SC Playbook podcast, the original one. That sort of finished by about 7.30, 8 o'clock. 8 a.m. Wednesday morning is the Beers and Break Evans podcast with the Rugby League Guru. So Monday, Kempi, being the legend that he is, was very generous to to give myself and Guru, you know, free access to use the bloke in the bar studios and Maddie the Waterboy, who's now become a really good mate of mine and uh, as a producer, all for free. Like, absolute legend and so very grateful for that. So Beers and Break Evans, Wednesday morning, uh, where do we go after that? Wednesday afternoon, I'm doing a show with Fox Sports uh, NRL Lab, and, and that's come up this season with Josh Morris and Chris Lawrence, which has been really cool. Mm. Thursday morning, I do a, a half-back to punting podcast. Oh, yes, with your brother, yes. Yeah, with my brother. So brother Sammy Williams, who played with the Raiders there for any Canberra Raiders, uh-huh. the milk fans. Yep, so got him on there. Thursday, about 11 a.m., I do a radio gig with SEN with Jimmy oh. Smith which is pretty short and sharp. It's only sort of a 10, 15-minute oh. hit, so that's easy enough, oh, okay. mate. And, okay. and then early afternoon Thursday I do a yeah the listener question and answer. So that yeah. used to be a, a – I've got a WhatsApp group for the SC Playbook subscribers, and I just do a question and answer there and, you know, punch out answers for that over the course of about an hour. And then I was like, this is just so inefficient. Yeah. Well, let's turn it into a podcast, take, subscribe a question. So that's Thursday Arvo. And then I do probably once a month at the moment the the SC play, uh, sorry SC play, but the official like NRL Super Coach podcast with Tommy Sangstar at News Corp, which is where I used to work and a show that I used to right. be on when I worked there. That's that also slots into that Thursday morning spot somewhere about once a month. So uh, it's busy, but it's it's rewarding and I enjoy it all. I'm sitting there talking about footy, so it's, it's not a bad go. So that's the thing. I think there's a lot of people out there that are a little jealous that you're talking footy every mm. single day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I envy you. I think it's a it's an amazing career that you you've chosen. And talk about your subscription for the hardcore fans that want a bit more information about because it's it's very good. Mm. Yeah, thanks, mate. So it's that that's it. It's it's a funny one because when I when I left the Telegraph, you know, there wasn't wasn't a lot of money in the back pocket. I was I'm the kind of bloke who 
I earn money and then I spend it traveling. And then I come back from my travel, I've got zero dollars in the bank. So I'm not, it wasn't exactly thinking long term with the uh, the finances. Uh, and I regret none of that uh, for the record. So when I did it, you know, you sort of had to make a bit of money for it. And obviously, a big sort of part of it now is advertising revenue. But when I started, you know, you can't go to advertise and say, sponsor me based on no numbers. So yeah, the subscription yeah. model was how it all started. And it started off, you know, going, we'll give you know we do 10 articles a week and we'll make two of them to subscribers only sort of thing it's now built up now where you i suppose you've built the, the trust of the sc payment community and the, the footy community that they if you're going to pay for it you know what you're going to get so like it's not an expensive thing by any means but we bumped it up ten dollars this year but it's you know forty dollars for a season's worth of nrl content also covering afl and big bash uh, after the footy season finishes and cricket so that's sort of fifty dollars for to be honest a hell of a lot of work that goes into it from a lot of contributors so yeah, and what that does is it, it gets you sort of three or four additional articles every week on the website to, to read. There's obviously a stack of free stuff as, there. We, as well there. We, we don't want to get to a point where, you know, you're locking people out of content. Not everyone's in a position to pay for stuff, mate, and I know that. I know there's plenty of services that, that I love, but you can't, you know, you can only choose a few of them without busting the bank too hard. So there's heaps of free stuff. All the podcasts are obviously free to listen to. So there's that. We've got the uh, the, the SCPA WhatsApp community and group there, which has been really cool this year, and different threads around, like, having the late mail drop in it. We've got all the community who give team advice and feedback to each other. We've got the contributors only one, which is when we first started it, lots of people jumped into the, the team advice one, and, and people saying, oh, we love it, but it was just clustered and too much and they couldn't see where the contributors commented. So I had a really good idea from, from one of the, the audience to make a contributors only one where we sit there and chat to each other and talk about our updated trades and captains and thoughts over the weekend. And, you know, I might do a podcast on Tuesday night and I might change my trades by Thursday after or even Friday. So it, yeah. it's an opportunity to sort of update the subscribers with, like, what are we thinking now and all that. So, yeah, that amongst a few other things, that's, that's where it's at. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's it's great a great idea. Um, so what about the people that you're working with? You, you get obviously getting some of the winners or some of the runners up, mm. and you, for example, was it 2020 where you were runner up uh, in the <laughs> yeah, overall playbook? So good timing. <laughs> well, 2020, uh, I think I was in the top 500. Uh, yeah. that was my that was my best year as well. 2020 great result. Yeah, it was all the uh, – I think what I'm, what I'm at, about 5,000 at the moment. So yeah, solid. I'm not going solid. too bad. I'm on, the, I'm on the brink. So, yeah. And where are you currently at the moment? Sitting at 4,200. So, yeah, it's made up – I won't bore anyone out there who doesn't listen to Supercoach at all with details, but every year I start slow and it goes around squad structure and all that. And I've done it like I've sort of uh, you know, a decent sort of track record and I've been top 1% in the last six, seven years with a top mm. finisher of second. But every single year it's – and I said it, so I always start slow because I sort of – I go for depth around the squad rather than going heavy on the 17 early. And I, my team follows the same trajectory. I start about 30,000, 40,000 for the first four or five rounds, then just goes up from there, up from there, up from there, and sort of hope to sort of finish, you know, top 500, top 100, top 1,000, whatever it might be. But, you know, when you're sitting there after six or seven rounds and you're 15,000, you're going, oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're on the way up. I've been listening to your podcast and is it The Spy? He's the spy had, he, he's had all. Yeah, he's had all the booths. He's used all his booths so far before the the buy round. So mm. that's, that's a bold uh, move, that one. I think <laughs> he's a but, clown, uh, the spy. He'll, uh, <laughs> he, he's normally a pretty conservative super coach, but he's gone very hard very early. So we'll, mm. uh, one of the beauties of super coach, mate, there there are a million different strategies that you can that's take, it. and that's it. And none of them are right. They like none of them are right. None of them are wrong. You might go hard early, you might save conserve trades for late, and you could finish first and second. So, and who have you got on the podcast like, uh, for people who uh, haven't listened to it yet? Yeah, so it was really interesting. When I launched it, I sort of tried to get a really good, a well-rounded crew of contributors. So we had Desi Creek, who won Supercoach in 2019, Wilson Carlos, who came second. It was really interesting. I had Sam Williams, brother, who was the Raiders halfback at the time, contributing. Jared Croker, the Raiders skipper, contributing. And oh. But what I found really interesting was that 
people didn't care about what Sam or Croak had to say because <clears throat> they weren't Supercoach diehards. Right. So you'd have someone like the the spy or Desi or one of the boys who would, would write an article. Now, like, oh, it's coming from an informed Supercoach. Uh, and despite having all the status in the world in you know, NRL players, people are like, well, they're not Supercoach diehards, so why would I be reading their advice? Yeah. So, you know, got rid of them pretty quickly because of a well, waste of time. So, yeah, got past winners, uh, runner-ups, all that sort of stuff, and it was really good. I like to no, – we've got such a wonderful team of people who speak really well, who are really informed with their, their NRL and their super coach, whether they've got the, the past champion credentials or the spy who's got a top finish of 91 and a bunch of top 500 finishes. He might not have won it, but he's a gun. So, yeah. But, like more than anything, just really, really lovely people. When I went into the studio for the SC Playbook podcast this year, because it was filmed out of a studio in Sydney, the contributors were really remote. So Walson Carlos, who it was just, he's got a terrific, terrific footy brain on him mm. and the super coach credentials to back it up. He was like, came through the grades with Cam Smith and he's oh, coached yeah, right. up level and played for Queensland juniors and that sort of stuff. But because he's based in Rockhampton, when we went into the studio, all these remote contributors, I haven't been able to get on. So Walsh right. has got his own, own uh, Sunday night recap podcast now, which is fantastic. Yeah. And, mate, it, as things grow, you sort of adapt and mm. learn on the fly, I suppose. Yeah, that's that's really, really good. Yeah, you're doing SC Playbook. I want to get uh, back now to uh, where you were born. So you said before uh, you're from Kuma. So for international listeners – uh, whereabouts is Cooma in Australia? Yep, so Cooma, the heart of the Snowy Mountains. So uh, if you're, you're familiar with Perisher and Threadbow, it's about an hour from there. It's it's an hour from Canberra, an hour south of Canberra. So I grew up essentially around the area playing local footy and cricket where we, we'd travel up to, to Canberra each week and do that. Mm. Uh, and I was there till I was sort of what, about uh, 16. I went to St Greg's in Campbelltown, a pretty famous rugby league nursery mm. for just for year 11 and 12 and, and got out of the country. Uh, went back to the, for a year to Cooma and uh, university in, in Wollongong, and then I've been in Sydney ever since, yeah. So did you play with some players like, uh, besides your brother? Uh, who, who did you play with that made it to the NRL uh, from Campbelltown Sports? Yeah, so, I mean, going way back, I had <clears throat> had a few back in Canberra, and who was it? Jack, Jack Williams, also from Cooma. Sharky's lock forward. No relation, oh, yes. believe it or not. I mean, so Jack, who <laughs> played, he was a couple younger than me. <clears throat> played in Canberra, guys like uh, Matty Frawley and up in Sydney in my year at, at St. Greg's. Adam Elliott was one of my really good mates. Oh, right. Castle Knights now. Come Adji. on. Um, yeah. yeah, so he was one of the best ones. Joey Stimson was the year below me and played a bit of footy with him and was like pretty cool playing against that. It was a really good footy comp. Playing against like Mitchie Moses and Luke Brooks and Dallin Wateni Zalesniak and all these blokes who were just absolute mountains of class above me, but I managed to sneak in a few games against them. I thought, you know what, this will be my, my pinnacle, but I'm pretty content with that and to share that I, I had a few run around with some good footballers. So, yeah. Come on. Was sport always a part of your family when you were growing up? Yeah, mate, lived, lived and breathed it. So yeah. uh, myself, a couple of brothers, uh, dad was always, yeah, diehard sort of footy footy player, cricket player. So grew up playing did footy play? and cricket. Oh, yeah, yeah, footy and cricket. Did he, yeah. did he go on to bigger things or was just like local? Was that the old boy? Yeah. Dad, so no, he was – how do you put it? He always used to say – a decent enough footballer, but he was about three stone six or six stone seven or whatever oh, that right. is that, that basically equates to very skinny and very fast, but never had any size about him. So he, uh, despite having a brother who plays in the NRL, I suppose footballing genetics aren't a part of a Sam got there because he's a in very intelligent footy mind, but there's not a lot of size about him either. So, yeah, mate, what we grew up playing everything from, from tennis to golf to footy to cricket to squash to, to anything we could get our hands on and to be honest I still do the same so not a lot's changed are, are you still doing it yeah I think you mentioned on the podcast you're playing Oztag still yeah still play Oztag yeah. trying to have a run of rugby league this year but oh come on we're, 
work sort of got the better of me a little bit. So I, like, I, I have every intention of having a few games this season. Got a couple of runs in last year and played a full season the year before that. So trying to, but as sort of as work gets a bit busier, it's getting harder to do, unfortunately. Right. And growing up, were you always a, a Raiders fan? Yeah, so that's where it's a bit uh, – it's where amongst the, the playbook community and the bloke in the bar community copped a bit of stick for. I actually grew up going for the Bulldogs when I was quite young. Really? I always loved the Raiders, but yeah, I started off as, as a Doggies fan, and essentially what happened was – I mean, first and foremost, I, I was now from Canberra. So I grew up going to all these Raiders games and the Doggies, Sydney being you know four and a half hours away, didn't really get chances to go to their, their games of footy, and – my so Sam's what's he three years older than me so he was in the Raiders system from about 15 years old I think he debuted in the NRL at 18 and so from a pretty young age I was going to every Raiders game and sort of was was pretty lucky to to meet a few of the Raiders boys and mm. sort of get a few relationships with those and just have a really great relationship with the club and all my life was was Raiders 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 and while I still went for the doggies in the early days when Sam was at the club and playing first grade, it was hard because I'd go there and I'd be supporting him so wholeheartedly that even when it got to the games against the doggies, and I suppose a couple of years into his career when they were playing for the dogs, I'm like, you know, I'd love to see the doggies win, but I want to see my brother win more. So yeah, that's right. Next decade, and eventually the things shifted, and I, I started there yeah, being the Raiders, who I was a, a very close second. Yeah, sort of jumped ahead. Yeah, and you speak really highly of your brother. How proud of your brother? Uh, of your brother are you? Yeah, very much so, mate. We were. It was awesome, you know, having a brother to to have done done as much as he did, and probably the best thing about it was that you see these genetic freaks in the NRL who are just yeah. big, hundred and ten kilo blokes who don't have an ounce of fat on them, and you just you have nightmares about trying to tackle them. Yeah. Sam was slow. He was a bit chubby around the the love handles, and <laughs> he, he certainly wasn't strong. So he, I think he finished end up with about 107 NRL games and 40 or 50 English Super League games, and he did it by basically having a, a footy brain better than anyone else in the game. So and if it, he had and, and a big heart and a big heart and a big heart, yeah, yeah. He, he loved the Raiders. So. You know, if you added a couple of kilos to him or a bit more speed, I think they would have been close to about 250 games. But for the attributes that, that our genetics uh, gave to him, I'm extremely proud on what he was able to achieve. Yeah. And uh, what has he gone on to do now? Is he still uh, with Rugby League? Uh, I know you've got the podcast with him. Uh, Greyhounds or TAB or something so he, like that. He, he lo- we, we all love our races. And, and Sam right. in particular, I love my gallopers. He... He loves them too. He loves his harness races. Right. God knows why. I still haven't worked out why, but he seemed to love them. So him and Jared Croker actually have shares in a stack of them, and one of their best mates is a harness trainer from the Goulburn area, which is just north of, of Canberra. So Sam, yeah, was left the Raiders mid-20 – mid last year, so mid-2022 – and he's now captain coaching the Queen Kangaroos in the in the local competition there, and they're they're undefeated this season and looking pretty good. And oh, cool. uh, he's working with a local racing and sports mob there, and got a really good obviously the footy brain on him. So I think his future lies in either coaching or yeah. analytical sort of stuff. Like it's funny, I, I sit here and have a reasonable enough following across podcasting and all that. And people say, oh, Tim, you've got such good footy mind. I'm like, like speak to my brother. He, he trounces on top of me. And and that's like right. that's before the actual NRL experience. So I think he's got a future in one of those side of things. Yeah. Has he got any offers or is it just keeping it as we go along? Or what was yeah, the... oh, n- nothing, uh, nothing <laughs> that I can probably reveal here that wouldn't get me right. in strife. So. Right. And, but don't they normally, if you want to become a coach, you, you want to go to, uh, like, England or somewhere outside of Australia or coach, like, a juniors before they start coaching some reserve grade? Yeah, or? he's very open to it. Look, his right. life has been rugby league since, you know, since he was 15 and, and first signed on with the, the Raiders for Harold Matthews. He's now, what would he be, 32 or something. Mm. He was more than happy to have a break from being full-time footy, 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 so... Right. While he's while he's captain coaching aside, he was more than happy to have a year or two off, work out what he wants to do. 
and, and, and have a break from from rugby league essentially. I know that sounds silly because he's working at a, at a at a company that talks about a lot of rugby league and he's still playing rugby league, but he he's got a, a young fella and, and a wife and they're living down there. So I think he'll spend the next couple of years uh, sort of working out. You know, he might not want to do coaching. So like, yeah. you know, I can't speak on his behalf. I'm saying that I think he would be wonderful in that job and, and offer a lot, but man, he might not want to do it. And I think jumping straight into it after a long career associated with rugby league that, you know, not not certainly not a foolish thing to do, but I think players could could earn a gain a lot out of you know have a year, sit back, have a normal life outside of limelight and the the, the grind of rugby league and just enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> would it would Canberra be a preference, or it doesn't matter what what team it is? Uh, is there is there been any talks of him actually going to being like a coach or some, like a trainer with the Raiders or? I'm I'm not too sure. I'm sure there's been sort of yeah. a few conversations yeah. had, and I'm sure if he, he did want to get into coaching, that he'd be at his beloved Raiders from yeah. absolute day dot. He's been wearing a Raiders jersey and absolutely loved them since he's about four yeah. years old. So, but as we know in the coaching game across any sport in the world, I think unless well. your name, unless your name's <laughs> Wayne Bennett or Jose Mourinho, you don't exactly have a choice in your clubs. Yeah, absolutely. And just speaking of the Raiders, how good's Jared Croker going lately? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> hey, he was about a million to one to get his 300 games up at yeah. the start of the year. I think he started the year on 292 or 293, so he had about seven to go. And it wasn't so much that he wasn't capable of it. He's showing that now. It's just they, they've got such – Xavier Savage emerged from, from the lower grades last couple of years – lower grades, I should say. He was a rookie. He's a young fellow. as a star fullback. And then Matty Timiko, he's killing it in the same position as Croker and a couple of others, Harley Smith-Shield. So th- there's mm. a lot of depth at the Raiders. And Croke being the clubman that he was, he, he would have been sitting there going, I'll bust my ass to get back into the team. But, you know, for the good of the club, yes, he loves them. He bleeds green. So to see him come back and, to be honest, the only reason he probably lost his spots the last couple of years was because he's had a pretty wretched run of injuries. He's got himself fit, come out through New South Wales car, not whinged for one moment, and he's yeah. back in the NRL and he's four on the trot in, in a Raiders team that struggled to start the season. So it, it speaks volumes of of what he offers to the team and the club. Now he's going to be very hard to drop for him. So uh, good luck to him. That, that's great. So I read that you went to Wollongong University. Was there a choice there to do rugby league or cricket? Uh, you said you played those two sports mm. to go – to that next level, you know, university was your option. So what happened there? Yeah. So I think I, I played a, a bit of junior footy with the Raiders and I'm talking like 16 sort of thing. And I think probably the telling moment there was that uh, you speak about genetics and when I got cut from the 16 squad, I got told, mate, you, you got, you're going well, you're having a crack, but let's face it, you built like a string bean. I said, yeah, no, thanks <laughs> for that, mate. And unfortunately, when you built like a string bean, you have to be an absolute freak like someone like Jaden Campbell or one of these just elite speed players. And uh, look, t- to be realistic, I was never going to play NRL anyway, so I like to, to put it back to you. Yeah, just didn't have the physical build to do it. But, mate, I, I went all right, but I, I was never going to play NRL. And, and when I went to Union Wollongong, I, I played with the West Devils down there, and okay. I, I was sort of living on campus, so I was have a few beers most nights a week and then go to training and play footy. And even there, like it, it's a club that I'd love to get back and have a game with in the future. Um, so I'll be hoping to move back down the Wollongong Way pretty pretty soon. And even there, we had uh, Brett Kamali as a head coach and Jason oh, yeah. Riles and wow. Joey, John, Joey Johns came in for a oh. training session one day. I was playing fullback and he, he was doing a session with the halves and I very quickly said that I was playing 5'8 that week and slotted into that little, uh, <laughs> that little drill. So, right. again, I, I've uh, I've probably overachieved for, for my ability, but I, I, wasn't, I was never going too far. And where, what position did you prefer? Did you say 5'8"? Another throwaway line. Uh, much like Tyrone Peachy, mate, a victim of my own versatility. Utility, <laughs> yeah. The number uh, 14, I, the number 14 any, right? <laughs> anywhere from 1 to 7 in the back line. I, I love playing fullback, and if uh, if the fitness is down, I'd, I'd play a bit of centre. So generally between them two, but grew up playing in the halves. But, yeah, anywhere from 1 to 7. Do you know any of the stats with the super coach? Because as far as I'm aware, every year it just seems to go up and up and up. Is that true? Yeah, I'm not sure about year-on-year sort of growth. I know that mm. this year there's about 150,000 people playing NRL super coach. And I think there's – so that's obviously run by News Corp. And NRL Fantasy, it's 
I believe, pretty similar numbers, anywhere from about 100 to 150. You then add in NRL Supercats Draft, which is another version of the game, mm. which has about 40 to 50,000 people playing. So wow. the, the numbers are really, really good, yeah. Mm. And did you go straight into the Daily Telegraph? Was that your first job after university? Yeah, so what I did was I worked at a, at a pub through while I was at uni, and I, I love pub work, to be honest. I'd work with all these old, like, um, you know, you know, uh, local sort of worker pubs and that. They'd come in after we'd done the tours and we'd just, we'd just sit there and have yarns and I'd try and give them a hand with their punts of a Friday <laughs> arm, whatever it might be. <clears throat> uh, but what happened was I actually put in at the end of my first year of uni uh, for an exchange to Boulder in Colorado and to spend a, a semester over there. And I had all the paperwork filled out and it was the end of my first year of uni and I, when I was 16 years old in year 10, I, I did a week of work experience at the Telegraph just through a family friend. Anyway, I was like, oh, it'd be good to sort of know that I'm either on the right track or in the industry that I want to be in and whatnot. And so I emailed through to him and he had, he'd left there and he was working at the, the Sydney Cricket Ground at the time. And he put me in touch with the, the head of the Daily Telegraph, Tim Morrissey, who's still there now as the head of sport. And he got back to me, and I I sort of emailed through saying, could I get two or three days work experience over the the uni summer break, and literally not a week, just two or three days, just saying that to make sure I'm on track and maybe learn a few things. He got back to me and said that he had a three month full time internship for me, um, or unpaid sort of one, and I just I got so excited, but then my heart sunk at the same time because I went, oh, this means no boulder. So I, it was an opportunity that I couldn't uh, turn down. So I went and did the internship with the Telegraph under Tim and a bunch of other really, really well-experienced uh, people there and learned a heap. And, and then that turned into part-time work for my last couple of years of uni, which sort of went into full-time when I graduated. Mm. And what stories do you have out of it working there? Do you have a good story to tell? Well, we could talk about Buzz, who's just – It'll be it'll be nothing probably that people want to hear, but he cops because he is the king of uh, getting a rise out of people and pissing people off and saying what people don't want to hear. When I tell him that he's a lovely bloke, they just go, "Oh shit!" Like you're kidding me. I'm like, yeah, sorry guys. I'm like, Buzzwit was so good when I worked there to the point that you know he'd have these really good breaking stories, never sort of the big big ones. And he's got, mate, here's a here's a story. You can tell it, put your byline on it and stuff, and it was so good. Like such a, a lovely thing for him to do, and particularly Saturday afternoons in the offside I used to love because this is times where I'm sitting there going, all my mates are playing footy and going out and having a drink. I was also in the office with you know Jimmy Hooper and Kenty and Buzz and Paul Crawley and such a good team, and, and I'd have three screens in front of me. I'd have my work screen in front of me. I'd have the footy on the left on the second screen and the horse racing on the right, and we're sitting there having a – you know, a cheeky little punt together or watching the footy together and I'm changing my super coach team in the meantime. So <laughs> it was, it wasn't a bad spot to work. Yeah. And uh, with, uh, with the super coach and with it uh, evolving, uh, there's always, they're always changing. Uh, you agreeing with like the more trades, everybody's got, okay, we're going to talk super coach now. We're going to get a little bit more in depth. So Heinz and Cleary, do you think that's a good thing that I can't ca- vice captain and captain uh, the two halves? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's fine, and mm. that I mean that very specific example of Hines and Cleary obviously being both at halfback, mm. it's it's good because it it keeps things a little bit more open and people have to make the choice. They're you know probably the two best players in Supercoach at the moment, and they're definitely the two probably safest players to pick each week. Mm. So. I think the harder they – not the harder they can make the game, but you, you don't want to make it easy to the point that everyone has the same team. And exactly. we see that at times in the past. And people lose interest because they go, oh, you know, we've got – I'm playing my mate this week. you get got 17 starting players and we've got 14 that are the same players. So, all right. Exactly. How, how do you make rules to, to differ sides? And <clears throat> I think this year we're seeing – I think year on year they make improvements and, we, you know, we live in this outrage culture where anything they do, people are pissed off about and they're not happy with it. I think they've got the balance really, really good. There there are a few things that I'd probably tweak a little bit, but I, I don't think they're too far off the pace. So I think I think the game's in a really, a really good place. 
and it's changing all the time because when the Dolphins come in, like at, at the start of the year, it was like, oh damn, everyone's gonna each week's gonna be a buyer. So it just makes every single week that important to sort of get it get it into it. But it also seems to like going to the casual Supercoach fans. I know that once you get into it, like all my friends, my family that play it, are just hardcore and you have to be like injuries concussions mm. so you've got to keep up to date otherwise you're not going to have a chance right spot on and that's where our sort of like my job and our the sc paper team's job is to go you know i myself am very lucky to be sitting here talking footy five days a week in super coach and you sort of have to sit back and get there by thursday and go all right People are working other jobs. They haven't said they're looking at Supercoach a week. They they don't have this – there's this assumed knowledge of this player's out or this player's out. Or yeah, yeah. So it's good So to, to do the updated podcast of a Thursday afternoon now. A lot of people, their Supercoach preparation leading to a Thursday night is whipping a podcast on at 4 o'clock Thursday afternoon on the way home from work. And based off that, they'll make their team, their team changes. So – do do you feel pressure being on the podcast and being like the leader of the SC playbook? Uh, not at all, to be honest. Oh, when wow. I say not at all, that you get the occasional thing, but I think anyone sort of in media and you see players and journos and all that cop a, a lot of spray and mm. these keyboard warriors. And I've yeah. been really, really fortunate not to have them. And I mean. I think it speaks volume of the SC Playbook community, but from the day I worked at the Telegraph and I did NRL straight NRL content, and I did a lot of Supercoach content there as well, and the NRL community is great. Don't get me wrong, but you know you can cop a little bit. I always had a pretty good run with the NRL community as well, but the Supercoach community, as a vast majority, understand that. You're doing your best. We're giving you information to make your trades, but we're not telling you to do it. So, like, I, I'm so lucky not to really get too much abuse. And, you know, if I when I do, I don't really care because it's like, you know, cop it on the chin, mate. You, if I'm going to sit out there and give my opinion and put myself out there on social media, you're asking for it. It's That's going right. to happen. Yeah. So there's no point getting upset about it. And, yeah, it's. I mean, at the same time, something that I've probably found that's helped me all the time is that because I watch so much footy and I research so much footy, I don't think I throw, and I, I might be wrong, but I don't think I throw out too many throwaway lines without um, validating it, without any sort of reasoning. Yeah. So, you know, I think when you throw out some sort of line and if it's incorrect information or it doesn't add up, that's when people go, well, mate, that's bullshit. This is yeah. wrong. This is wrong. If I say something, I've, more often than not, there'll be times where I, I'm not right, I'm sure. Well, I know that there's times where I'm occasionally not right, but most things I say I've got backed up by reasoning, which I think goes a long way to sort of stopping trolls. Uh, yeah, so that that's sort of where it's at. When you talk about that, all I'm thinking about is Tom Sangster because he cops it so much, but he puts his team out every week as well, just like everybody else, and – if, if you don't have a thick skin, choose a different industry because if you're going to go and plant your head all over social media, expect <laughs> to get some backlash because that uh, you, deserve, you deserve it essentially. And, and when I cop it, I was like, you know what, probably fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And what is the future for the SC Playbook? Where, where do you see it going and growing? Yeah, just building and building and building. So I'd love to sort of – you know, one day get to a point where we've got NRL, AFL, cricket now, become a, you know, get to a point where we, we cover a stack of sports and go into the the American market with NBA and English mm. Super, uh, sorry, English Premier League, I should say. And that that's probably the, the dream to, to not just become really footy and Australian footy and cricket focused. But for the time being, mate, it's, it's just continue to grow the audience and just improve. Like I, I've, done a few things right so far i've done a hell of a lot wrong and just to learn i'm, I'm yeah. pretty lucky to work with some really great people like the, the rugby league guru who i sort of linked up with at the start of last year he's a, a bit of a social media wizard and that's absolutely my weak point i've sort of <laughs> I think the content's good the information's good but 
it's another thing to get it in front of the eyes of, of someone sitting on the commute on the way home on the train and, and to be, for them to be able to see it. So it's just soaking information from people like him and Kempi and, and these people that I'm working around uh, and, and being able to apply it to SC Playbook. So there's yeah, a fair bit of hard work go into it, but uh, no excuses for it not to sort of hopefully keep going on an upward trajectory. But, yeah, time will tell. That's great. And personal life, uh, you have a family of your own? All right, mate, I, I have a, a girlfriend, but I, I'm turned 29 about a couple of weeks ago. Right. And yeah, yeah, no kids or anything. Still a bit, so still a bit early, early. Yeah. Bit early for me, mate. I, yeah. I'm very comfortable with where I'm at at the moment, and yeah, no, no, uh, no bubs around at the moment. Okay. okay. <laughs> Want to ask, uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I don't know if it's the best piece of advice I've been given, but it's one that <laughs> I've always sort of felt is, um, I tend not to get too nervous for things, and I've, you know. You learn a lot through experiences, and I've sort of started off doing things like a recorded podcast where there'd be a couple of nerves, but not too bad, and then that went to like doing things in front of camera, and then it went to doing live things in front of camera, and then it went to doing live shows, and then the audience got bigger and all of that, and basically just that you laugh at this, but as someone who sort of felt that nerves achieved nothing, I was watching a movie a couple of years ago. I think it was like bridge of spies or something tom hanks was in it huh. and and basically the crux of the movie was this russian spy who got caught by by the by the american cia whoever it was i don't even remember and and he got put in all these like super high pressure situations where it was like in court facing like the noose or you know being traded back over to russia in an exchange and every time he was in them tom hanks would ask him like, mate, are you nervous? And he'd go, why? He's like, would it help? And Tom Hanks just would put there at him and go, well, no. So and he'd just shrug his shoulders and be like, well, I'm not nervous then. And it's one thing I've decided sort of laughed at and taken on board as well. Anytime I sort of get put in a, a – as sort of SC paper grows and I sort of get a few different opportunities where I think I should be nervous, I go, well, you know, would I chip? would being nervous achieve anything? No. So it's like I think people get a bit too fixated on – screwing up and embarrassing themselves i'm like we're only human at the end of the day I'll, right. I'll say a lot i'll say a lot of stupid things and, and make a fool of myself all the time and i think that's a part of life so yeah it's just not being trying not to get nervous about things i think if you can laugh about it then it just sort of goes away right exactly right as i said we're all human we all stuff up yeah <laughs> but that's the thing it sounds like you're having a real good time on the podcast as well social media's Tim, where can we uh, find you and where can we find the SD Playbook as well? Yeah, so I'm um, I'm on Twitter at TimWill94, which, you know, follow me if you want. I don't really care, but SC Playbook's the main one, mate. So yeah. t- Twitter, Instagram, Facebook are all, I think, SC Playbook 1. Uh, AFL, we've also got SC Playbook AFL channel. We've got the SC Playbook BBL channels. So, yeah, so Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the main ones. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. We went into studio this year for the first time, which has been fantastic. Uh, and what's that? TikTok. We're on TikTok this year. So <laughs> when I talk about learning on the run, I've never I never had Instagram before, SC Playbook. I never had – certainly never had TikTok, but we're there as well. And we've, we've got a stack of uh, clips from the podcast or video and whatnot. So going on there and all the articles go on those platforms. So, yeah, SC Playbook 1 or if you type in SC Playbook in, it'll pop up. Okay, great. And got a couple of quick questions to finish off, uh, as I do with the podcast. Don't think about it too much. It's like your top two or three favorite things of all time. What is your top two or three favorite band? Top two or three favorite bands? Uh, the Gaslight Anthem. Uh, oh, an, yeah, an right. American band. Yeah, I absolutely adore the Gaslight Anthem. Uh, I got given a, a mixed CD years ago by a cousin and uh, was it Film Noir by Gus Anthem was on it, and I've just been in love with them ever since. And, and I grew up, I'm a very sort of 90s punk rock sort of fan. So Gaslight Anthem, 59 Sound, probably one of my favourite albums of all time, and Green Day American Idiot as well was very oh. much my childhood. So that that entire American Idiot album I absolutely love. Throw in a bit of you know, Sum 41 were one of my favourites, and yeah, anything around that punk rock scene. All right. Your two or three uh, top favourite places that you've been to internationally and then two or three places that you'd like to go to in the future. 
Great question. I love travelling. Uh, Galway in Ireland is probably wow. my favourite place in the world. I, I love the Irish people. I love that beautiful little town. I think Ed Sheeran's from Galway. It's just lovely, and uh, it doesn't help that – sorry, it doesn't hurt that I, I love a pint of Guinness as well. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, Galway in Ireland. I, I've been to uh, Lord of Brennan in Switzerland as well. Beautiful little – quite a small town there. It, it comes to mind. So they're probably, probably the top couple. The top that I would like to go to, uh, where will we go? I think I, I'd love to do – I've done the, the west coast of America. I'd love to go and do the east coast and down south around like Texas and New Orleans, and, and the music scene around New Orleans is obviously very famous. Yeah. So I'd love to go and do a new uh, – go to a big festival or something around New Orleans. Yeah, mate, I mean, I could go for days on where I want to go, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Uh, top two or three. Ooh. Am I Lord of the Rings tragic? And oh. I read those. I read, sorry, I didn't read them growing up. I was obviously a movie kid growing up with those, and then I, I went and read the books only probably five or six years ago and just absolutely loved those. So I, I would, uh, it's probably a bit of a boring answer, but yeah, I think the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is probably my, my favourite historical. I know that's not, but I, I love historical fiction books. So you know, the, the stories that, that that tell some sort of truth that you can learn a bit out of, but they you know they're butted up with a bit of fiction and a bit of fun. So anything around that. Awesome. Your top two or three favourite food cuisines. Uh, I downed. Three burritos and three tacos before this <laughs> podcast. So uh, I'm a fiend for Mexican. I love it. All right. And so footy questions now. Straight up, who's going to win the grand final this year? <sighs> or who's going to be in the grand final? No, uh, no, no. I like the question. Okay. I, I, I sigh at it because a week ago I had as my – part Smokies but not so much – the Sharkies. I really like the Sharkies this year, mm. but about three days ago, the Dolphins put about 40 on them. So, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit reluctant. I just think the Sharkies have the, the the depth in their squad to go a long way and they can cover for injuries. Nico Hines is sensational. They're 1-17. They're just so balanced. 1-25, to I should say, they're well balanced. So I, I really think the Sharkies can go deep and – You'd be an absolute madman to to rule out the Panthers. We know they can do it. People are saying that their wheels are falling off. They're not. They're just they're grinding, grinding. Like if I was betting, Penrith is a safe bet. Sharkies are the Smokies, and I don't know. I don't know if the Roosters can put it together. They they've got the they've got the talent. We know that, but they can't put it together at the moment. But I think Robbo will get them up by the back end of the season if they can have a bit of luck on the injury front too. Mm. Who was your first rugby league star? When I was very young, like this is probably before I could speak, wasn't even coherent at the time, but I used to love Rocket Rod Silver. Oh, right, yeah. Fullback in the late 90s, Rocket Rod. And then as I got a little bit older, I – who did it become from there? Uh, David Staggs was probably when I was going through high school. I I love David Staggs because – you know, playing for the doggies, obviously that helped among a few other or the Broncos as well. But Staggs was a bloke I could relate to in that he was such an undersized player, and I mean, I played in the backs and I was undersized. He played, he was undersized and played in the forwards, and he'd make sixty to sixty-five tackles a game, wouldn't miss any, and was just tough as nails. So when I was growing up, knowing that I was tiny, I was like, you know what? David Sass can grow up and be small and play in the forwards. I can do it in the backs. Uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't to be, of course, but I, I just always admired David Sass for just how tough he was. I, I'm a Knights tragic. Do you have two or three uh, all-time uh, Knights players that you've Ooh. liked? All-time favourite Knights players. I won't say Joey because that's just the most boring answer of all time. Who are the Knights that spring to mind for me? Um you said Adam Elliott's one of your, one of your friends. Adam so. Elliott, yeah. <laughs> I'd be, uh, be filthy if I didn't include him. <laughs> ben, ben Kennedy was always one of my oh, favourites. Yes. One of the best line runners in the game. Yes. Absolutely tough. Again, tough as nails, BK. So loved what he did. 
And I'm just, you've got my mind absolutely racing. I'm not going to be able to sleep times. I'm going to be thinking that, that Knights plays of the year has gone by. And I was always a Matt Gidley fan as well. Having spent a bit of time at centre, just just his one-on-one ability and that, uh, the infamous, you know, step off his foot, that little flick out the back, he made a career out of it. So I, I love Matt Gidley. Awesome. Last question, uh, Tim, who is your greatest inspiration slash hero and why? Probably my my dad, I think, mate. He was uh yeah, we we lost dad about eighteen months ago, and he was just a very very good man, and and just had the best values in life. Always had a smile on his face, and yeah, I think dad enjoyed life. Yeah, yeah. very good awesome. Man. I think that's a great way to finish off, Tim. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, what you're doing uh, for the Super Coach, uh, I think it's great. Uh, you're making a lot of people happy, so uh, continue to do well. And uh, when I come back to Australia, love to have a beer with you and talk to the coach. Don't need to twist my arm for a beer, I'll tell you that much. No, <laughs> thanks so much for having me on, mate. I really do appreciate it. So thank you.